Section 52 of The Treasure Chest of My Bookhouse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Draconis. The Treasure Chest of My Bookhouse. Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. Thor's Journey to Jotunheim, a Norse Myth. When the lightning leaps from cliff to cliff across the sky, and the thunder roars and rumbles, reverberating, rolling, crashing, then is the brazen chariot of Thor, the thunderer, rolling and rattling over the heavens. Thus, said the Norsemen, sons of the Northland, from the hoofs of the goats that draw his chariot, fly blazing sparks about his head, gleams a crown of burning flame. In his strong right hand he grips his red-hot hammer, Mjolnir, from whence spring thunderbolts. It is against the great frost giants who dwell in Jotunheim that Thor makes war, the giants who send forth ice and snow and bitter winds to nip the tender buds and kill the flowers, who wrap the earth in wintry mists and ruin harvests by their tempests. It happened once that the storm giants held the earth too long in bondage, Frozen lay the rivers, and frozen the earth, till long past the time of the coming of swallows, and no man could till the ground or plant the tender seed. Then from far off Asgard, there dwell the gods, came Thor. Thor, the friend of farmers, Thor, the deliverer, to do battle with the giants. At the close of day, Thor and Loki, his companion, came to a cottage on the edge of a wood. Then rapped Thor on the door with his iron gauntlet, and called those within to give them food and shelter. Shelter the poor people gladly gave, but food they had not to offer. So Thor raised his hammer and slew his own goats to serve for their supper. Amazed stood the poor peasants before him, but thus spake Thor, Eat, eat what ye will, only heed this command. Break no single one of the bones, but cast them all when ye have finished into the skins on the floor. Then Thor ate his fill, and Loki likewise, and the peasants and his wife, and Thialfi their son, and Roskva their daughter. But Thialfi, the greedy one, secretly broke a bone to come at the sweet juicy marrow. Then he cast the pieces onto the skin with the rest of the bones. Early on the morrow uprose Thor from his couch and over the goat's skins and bones, flourished good Mjolnir his hammer. Lithe and light, lively and brisk, up sprang the goats, handsome and whole as before, only one, alas, limped as he ran. Then Thor knew that someone had disobeyed him. Dark grew his brow at the storm cloud. He raised his powerful hammer and all stood about in terror. Someone has disobeyed me. On his knees fell Thialfi before him, confessing his fault, and such was his sorrow and terror that Thor relented and let his hammer fall harmless. Rise, he said. But for thy fault thou and thy sister Roskva shall follow me henceforth and be my servants forever. Then did Thor leave his chariot and his goats in the charge of the peasant, bidding him give them good care against his return. And he set off once more with Loki, Thialfi, and Roskva, on foot for the realm of the giants. All day through a bleak and desolate land they journeyed into a land of mist and fog and gloom. At nightfall they sought for a shelter, before them out of the mist loomed dim outlines of a house. They entered a spacious doorway, broad and high. Within was no one, neither fire, nor light, nor food. Flinging themselves wearily on the floor, 
Thor and his companions fell asleep. Not long had they slept when a strange trembling shook the earth and awoke them, a roar and long-drawn rumbling. It's an earthquake, cried Thialfi. Thereat Thor sent Loki and the others for safety into an inner room that seemed to be one of five branching off from the outer hall, while he himself stood guard at the door. When day began to dawn, lo, he saw through the mist a tremendous giant lying near, and he perceived that the upheaval which they had thought an earthquake the night before was but the noise of his snoring. Boldly he approached the giant. Awake, he cried, and tell me who thou art. Who be I? cried the giant, stretching and looking about. Screamier, my little fellow, screamier the giant, that's who I be. But where hast thou taken my mitten? At that Thor perceived that the house wherein they had slept was not but the giant's glove. He called his comrades to come forth, and out they stepped from the thumb. Loudly guffawed the giant. Ho, ho, little ones, laughed he. Where do ye journey, whither away so bold? When he heard they were traveling to Jotunheim, he offered to be their guide. All day long they journeyed, and all day long did Screamir belittle them, and make them believe themselves good for naught. At nightfall, ere he dropped off to sleep, he offered them whatever food they might wish to take from the great provision bag that hung on his shoulder. But when they tried to open the bag, not all four together, as Screamir had known, full well could unfasten the knots by which the giant had tied it. Then was Thor sorely wroth that Screamir should make them appear such weaklings, and he raised his hammer and dealt him a fearful blow on the forehead. The giant opened one sleepy eye. Was that a leaf? fell upon me he said a second time thor lifted his hammer and hurled it with all his force at the head of the giant but screamir only murmured methought an acorn dropped on my head now thor put forth such strength as never he knew he had and smote the giant on the temple there must be birds overhead said screamir a feather now just tickled me then did thor go back to his comrades Early on the morrow, Screamir pointed out the shortest road to Jotunheim, and then took leave of his fellows. But first he said, O oh, Thor, I would give thee advice. Think not to stand up against the mighty ones whom thou wilt find in Jotunheim. Prepare to bow thyself rather before them, for I be the smallest among them. In spite of his words, on went Thor, and soon there before him and his comrades loomed up a glittering city of ice with spires and pinnacles of icicles so high it was that they had to bend back their heads to see its top slipping between the enormous bars of the gate the travellers presented themselves in the great hall before utgard loki the king of the giants about whom on the benches sat his tremendous followers oh cried the king of the giants squinting contemptuously down as if at some little fly on the floor which he could scarcely discover. Whom have we here, little Thor, as I live, out of Asgard? I have heard thou art small, but in truth I had never thought so small. Tis said thou hast strength, though, and can perform many great exploits. I scarce can believe it. Yet come, let us see what thou and thy comrades can do against my giants. Choose your feet. At what will ye first contend? Then cried Loki, who had fasted long enough to feel great hunger. In eating, I will contend with any man among ye. A great platter of meat the king ordered into the hall and summoned his servant, Logi, to contend with Loki. 
Loki sat himself at one end of the platter, and Logi at the other, and both began to eat. Like an honest man a-hungered ate Loki, but when he was come to the center of the platter, there he met Logi, and while Loki had eaten but the meat, the giant had devoured meat and bones and platter as well. Not much can ye do at eating, scornful cried Utgard Loki. Then did Thor, nettled and keenly athirst, offer to outdo anyone at drinking. Immediately was brought a horn, which the king declared strong men emptied at one draught, weaker men at two, and the veriest weaklings at three. Eagerly Thor applied his lips to the rim, but though he drank long and deep, the water seemed not to grow less by so much a hair's breadth. Again he tried, and again the horn remained ever full. Not much can ye do at drinking, scornful cried Utgard Loki. Then cried Thialfi that he would run a race with any among the giants. Came one named Hugi, and though Thialfi kept hot on his heels in three different races, Hugi ever outstripped him. Not much can ye do at running, scornful cried Utgard Loki. Next shouted Thor that he would contend in lifting. Lift me then my house-cat, cried the king. Tis a trifling game at which we only exercise children. I should never propose it to Thor, save that I have found him so puny and little stripling. Angrily Thor seized the cat. At first he could not budge her. Then he arched her back from the ground. Then he lifted one mighty paw. The faces of the giants turned pale. Still, Utgard-Loki called. Not much can ye do at lifting. Last of all, cried Thor in a fury. Let me contend at wrestling. My poor old nurse, Ellie, belike is a fit match for thee, jibed the king, and into the hall came a feeble old hag, weak-seeming and bent nearly double. Yet she seized Thor in a grip, like a vice. Valiantly he struggled, but the more he tightened his hold, the firmer stood Ellie, till at last she had him on his knees. Then cried Utgard-Loki, No more will we contend, in truth, ye are good for naught. On the morrow at daybreak, Thor and his comrades, sad and heavy-hearted, set out once more for home. Utgard-Loki accompanied them outside the gates of the city. Once there, he cried, How now, Thor, hast thou met mightier men than thou? Is it so easy as thou didst think to conquer the giants? Nay, Thor made honest answer. I have come off badly. My heart sinks with the shame that I have proved such a weakling. Then was the king struck with the blunt and open truth of him, who never yet uttered untruth, and he cried, O Thor of Asgard, thou goest hence from my kingdom, forever and I, I trust, and now will I too speak the truth. Not by superior force, as ye think, have ye been defeated. It has all been done by magic. All things have been made to seem to you other than they were. Even have we made you think yourselves weak and puny, when our very bones rattled for trembling and fear of your strength. I myself am Skrymir, and any one of thy mighty blows would have done for me, had I not in the mist which distorts all things out of their natural shape made thee believe a mountain my head. Not me didst thou strike, but the mountain, Logi, against whom Loki contended in eating, is wild fire, the devourer. Hugi, against whom Thialfi ran, is thought. And who could run faster than thought? The horn from which thou, Thor, didst drink is connected with the ocean, so thou couldst never have drained it unless thou couldst drink dry the ocean. Ellie the wrestler is old age, 
who throws so many strong men, and the cat thou couldst not lift is the Midgard serpent that encircles the world. Yet didst thou nearly outdo Logi, Hugi, and Eli, and lift the Midgard serpent, and thou didst drink so much of the sea that on earth men thought the tide had gone out. By trickery only have we kept you from your triumph, but in trickery we are clever. If ye be wise, come no more against us. With deception and illusion will we meet you always. Then in his righteous wrath, Thor lifted up his hammer. The might that was his, the power that was his, once more he knew. But as he swung good Mjolnir, the giant vanished. Vanished, too, the whole city of freezing ice and snow. Retreated had the giants before the power of Thor. Perceived by them, when to Thor himself, his prowess had seemed so little. Fled had the giants before him. Then once more smiled the earth free from the fetters of frost, ready for seed and bloom, and back to Asgard went Thor with Loki, Thialfi, and Raskva. Thor, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I am the god Thor. I am the war god. I am the thunderer. Here in my Northland, my fastness and fortress, reign I forever. Here amid icebergs rule I the nations. This is my hammer, Mjolnir the mighty, giants and sorcerers cannot withstand it. From the Saga of King Olaf. End of section 52. Recording by Draconis. The Real Basement Dwellers Podcast. Wheelworkformoney.net.